Hello everyone, welcome back to Spill the Bee, the student-led podcast hosted by Kent Business School. So today we are doing a special episode on Black History Month, right? And we are joined by two amazing uh, graduates and students. So first we have Melody, who was in our Women in Business podcast show. And then we also have Giovanni, who was part of the Unfinished Business Summer Series hosted by KBS. So I'd let them introduce themselves formally. So Melody, would you like to start? Um, yeah, sure. Thanks, Zaid. Um, My name's Melody and I'm currently a business leadership program associate at LinkedIn, which is one of their grad programs. I'm also a writer. I live in Dublin, but I'm originally from London. I'm, I'm waffling again. That's basically me in a nutshell. Um, so yeah. We love waffling on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and Giovanni? Hi, Zaid and Melody. Um, I'm Giovanni. I'm currently a marketing student at University of Kent, also an entrepreneur in practice. I run two businesses, one in fashion design and another in art distribution. So yeah, that's lovely. Me. Very accomplished individuals for the video. Thank you so much, so, so much for joining us today. And I think we should just get into it. So now today's just topic is Black History Month, right? We're doing it specifically on the Black experience in business as well. Now, I know we touched on this a bit in the Women in Business podcast, Melody, as well. But I want to hear you guys' experiences and like a brief experience um, in your day-to-day lives in business basically because both of you work in business Melody you're in LinkedIn and Giovanni you're an entrepreneur so how do you find that um, your experiences are throughout? Okay so I think for me I started quite recently I only started in July but my experience has been very very positive so far and I think it's something that is it's something that surprised me I feel like in this current era a lot of people and a lot of black people tend to find that in certain companies in certain places um the people at the top like to perform unity with black communities they like to engage in that tokenism so they'll hire one black person and think that that's enough to you know completely combat all of the racism and discrimination and everything that kind of affects black people but for me personally linkedin is very 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 committed to diversity and inclusion and belonging it's LinkedIn is an American company. And I will say that in terms of diversity and in terms of, I guess, dealing with black issues or issues that pertain to black people in particular, they're miles ahead of us. I would say over in Europe, there are still developments being made, but I can honestly say I'm very appreciative of the effort that has been made. I will also say, however, that I still do feel as though there is a lot more that could be done. I think I'm the only black person on my cohort um, of grads. And I think as much as I feel quite privileged, I've never been in a space where I'm the only black person and automatically felt like I fit in. As much as everyone has tried to make me feel as welcomed as I can, I still feel as though I'm like, where are the other black people? I know I am not the only black person that could have been here. Do you know what I mean? I feel like in any space where there's only one black person it's always this idea of why am I here am I the right person am I the right choice where's everybody else but I'd say overall it's been a positive experience yeah 
That's amazing. That's really lovely to hear. And it's good to know that there's companies out there that really do take pride in inclusivity and in their diversity and trying to make sure that their teams aren't just uh, one ethnic group or one race. You know, they want diversity because diversity brings better teams. That's 100% proven fact, in my opinion. Uh, Giovanni, what about you? Yeah, um, as Melody said, like I, I understand that our experience is really kind of different considering she's in the working environment and I'm kind of approaching it from an entrepreneurship point of view. So I would say it has been quite a positive experience for me. Um, but as she said, it has been quite, I would say, also it's quite interesting, but it kind of taken me by surprise at the same time, because, you know, I think like, that I'm part of a generation where um, there are so many initiatives and so many opportunities for, you know, entrepreneurs, black entrepreneurs, obviously, to actually get into the, um, the environment, into the system, et cetera. And I feel like from the stories that I've heard or from the experiences of my predecessors, of my, you know, my, my mothers, my families, et cetera, it wasn't always like this. So I was kind of set up to not expect what I have been brought into. So I kind of went into it like with a barrier. But I would say that from my experience, it has been completely the opposite of that. I feel quite included. There's so many opportunities and initiatives out there for me to take part in that I've had I've benefited from. So ultimately, yeah. That's really, really good to hear. And I think you worked with the Aspire program as well. Correct, yeah. yes. So I, I I can see how your experience would be obviously slightly different to Melody's, but I'm glad you both have had positive experiences. Um, as we know, obviously, in the past few years, we've seen a rise um, in people actually understanding um the systemic racism against black people specifically throughout the world and with the BLM protests. And that was a massive, massive moment. I think that was a turning point in a sense. It isn't, doesn't mean that things are fixed. It doesn't mean that, you know, hundreds of years of oppression and racism and injustices are wiped off. No, we're, we're really working towards it, but I see a shift in the way people are thinking about it. I know myself personally, I'm from an Asian background. So growing up, I've grown up, in Pakistan and I grew up a bit in the UK but I wasn't really aware of the injustices against people I wasn't really aware of what people not just of my skin color but of black people you know Asian people uh, people of any ethnic minority kind of go through on a daily basis and that wasn't until I actually moved to the UK where I experienced my first kind of experience with racism um and from that moment I was like okay this is something like people are you gonna hate me just for my skin color and as I've grown older in I think in the last probably three years I've really kind of tried to educate myself on what it means to be black in the UK in America overall in the world like what do you have to really face with Uh, and that has been because I've actually made friends who are from black backgrounds and they they've taught me you know I've learned from shared experiences not just searching up on google so it's really nice to kind of hear your guys experiences and I'd want you guys to kind of take over and kind of tell me how you grew up and what you grew up with uh what was your experiences and I think you both are from London correct yeah so how was it growing up in London obviously with such diversity as well 
Yeah, um, well, yeah, growing up in London, for me, um, personally, it's it's a unique experience, I would say, even though it's the only experience I know. It's quite unique because, you know, London in itself is such a diverse place. I, I'm, I'm not sure of the percentages, but I think it's like 40% is, um, includes BAME. Um, so that that in itself exposes you to a wide range of things, a wide range of people, a wide range of cultures, etc. And I think that's um, it's what it's kind of done for me. Is it's allowed me to like fit in. It's allowed me to feel comfortable in my environments quite a lot of time. However, I would say that in my transition from I would say from London to university, which was in obviously Canterbury, it I. I was kind of thrown into a world where I, I, I believe I had to, you know, conform to, kind of. It was a different environment for me. Um, I think my environment back in London didn't really set me up for what I would face in Canterbury, if that kind of makes sense. Um, but ultimately, ultimately, yeah, I'll say it was a great experience for me. And in terms of my character and who I am, I can feel confident in any room that I'm in because of it, if that makes sense. Definitely. Yeah. I think that, that kind of sums it up. I really do believe that like, London is such a unique experience and growing up with people of all backgrounds, it teaches you so much more. Um, Melody, what about you? I would agree with um, Giovanni. I feel like even though, again, London is the only experience I've ever had, it is such a unique one. I think I said on the last episode, like I grew up in East London and um my grandma lives in Plasto and funnily enough, I think Plasto is the most diverse, ethnically diverse area in England and Wales. And that to me is insane because it's such a, it's so unique, but it's all I've ever known. That's always been my norm. So it's never even been something I've thought about. It's like, oh yeah, like black people are here and Asian people are here and everybody's here kind of thing. And I think what that does almost is it kind of keeps you in a bubble, I think, um, for me growing up in school you know like because I went to school with basically everyone that was an ethnic minority I never understood that in the grand scheme of things we don't actually perform that well because all of the high performers were from ethnic minority backgrounds I never really understood um, for example I used to do a lot of social mobility schemes I never really understood that the reason I'd get selected or the reason it was a big deal is because I am black and it's because I'm from this area I just used to think oh yeah I'm smart this is such a good thing but looking at it now I'm just a bit like actually this is the reason you were selected and the reason you had so many of these opportunities is because overall black people are at, at a disadvantage and when I got to university because I studied social sciences again I learned so much about systemic racism and I learned so much about how we are disadvantaged at every single level in so many institutions it makes me look back on my experiences and think what exactly did I miss out on, if that makes sense? There are so many different spaces that um, I guess we didn't actually have access to that I'd say white people did have access to that put us at a disadvantage. But I'd also say that I'm very grateful to have grown up in London. I wouldn't have wanted to grow up anywhere else because like I said before, it is so unique. There are so many different cultures, not just um, ethnically, but also just in terms of the types of people you meet, if that makes sense. And yeah, yeah, I don't think I change it for the world. I love being a Londoner. I love that. That's so lovely to hear. I think, as you said, you know, there's a lot of tokenism and a lot of um, performative action from white 
people or white companies in a sense, you know, where um, they're trying to diversify just to look good, you know, and a lot of the experiences that you've probably um, been given have been chosen just on the basis of that, your ethnic background, right? And for you to think as, as a kid as well, like I remember um, I, I studied in Canterbury for two years actually. And I was literally the only brown kid in my class, like the only ethnic minority in my class. And I literally mean everyone else was white. And I remember that this one teacher came up to me from like the student support uh, team. Um, and they pulled me into a meeting and asked me if I wanted like extra classes for English. And I was just there. I didn't, I didn't realize that I was like, Oh, like, is my like English bad? Like, do I have to do these classes? Um, and I just went along with that. I was like, yeah, sure. Like me being a kid who literally didn't know anything. I was just like, yeah, I'll go along with it. And then when I told my mom, my mom went stormed in. And I remember that moment. I was like, okay, like there is something wrong about them asking me this like it's it that shouldn't be something that I should be singled out for right and that experience kind of is the thing that kind of was a turning point for me that was my first kind of indirect racist racist experience uh, and from that moment onwards I've kind of grown on that and to hear yoga's experience I feel it must have even been worse like not knowing right like just being given opportunities in a sense um, and you for you to think that okay you're talented and for people choosing these opportunities they're choosing it on the basis of your skin color of your ethnic, uh, ethnic background that's do you feel like that I wouldn't say that exactly I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of the opportunities I was given mm -hmm. were kind of forward um they were kind of pioneered by other black people or they mm -hmm. were made in order to, you know, um, to create opportunities for black people. It's just at the time I didn't understand why or why it was so special to me, it was just the norm. But like looking back on it, I actually understand the meaning and it does kind of, it does change it a little bit. It does make me question certain things, but of course. yeah, I could never say but that. But like, you're strong in your sense of like, you know that you're good, you know, it wasn't just because of that, you know that. Obviously. I think at the time, yes, but yeah. now it feels a bit different. I now see. I question, like, if I was to be given an opportunity, for example, I would question, is this like, try, is, are they trying to fill a diversity quota? And of it's course. even though I can, I can understand my value. I know that I'm deserving of something, but there's always going to be that thing in the back of my mind, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I guess it's just imposter syndrome, but on a, another level. Yeah, I, I understand. Definitely, I agree. I agree with that. I think it's really a rattling and you know, awakening when you actually realize that and aware that, uh, become aware um, that these opportunities that you've been given have been put in place due to the fact that you're at a disadvantage. Um, and I, I don't know, for me personally, when I was able to understand that, it kind of made me automatically try to be a little bit more competitive, try to, you know, put myself against another person of another skin color and say, how do I weigh up? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's necessarily how it should be. It should be based solely on your skills, you know, what, what you have to provide. However, in reality, it's different. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I think about this a lot. It's like, as kids, you we literally go up so naive where we take, like, I know people say this and we don't really, you know, believe in that, but like 
we don't see race as a kid, right? You don't see that. You you see it as they're just another person, they're just another kid. Let's you know. Um, but as you grow up, you actually get to see how people are treated so differently just because of their backgrounds um, and where they're from and who they are. And that's the one thing that I can. Uh, we as a society are kind of now in our generation really fighting for to change that to make sure that it is equality for all and it's been a fight for a long time now and it's going to continue being a fight but we are taking action against it I want to know you guys' um, view on the BLM protests and uh, what you think came out of it and how that went. Did you guys go to them in London? Um, so I couldn't go. I was living with my grandma at the time and she was like a vulnerable person. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember the thing about um, Black Lives Matter is that like it's not, I think for me personally, it was like it wasn't new. Mm-hmm. So I think the attention that it got was very, it was not like it was strange to me. I was just kind of like, this is, so all of a sudden everybody can see, everybody understands like, okay, cool, fine. But this is like, I think the Black Lives Matter movement started back in 2012 after the death of Trayvon Martin, was it? I don't think it might've been Trayvon Martin, but I remember it starting a long time ago and I remember it being so important. And it's like, how is it? I remember thinking, how is it only now? How is it taking this one death to make you realize that maybe all the other deaths shouldn't have happened? But I also remember at the time feeling a lot more helpless than I'd ever felt because it was like even in a global pandemic the greatest enemy to black people isn't the pandemic it's it's racism it's it's white people it's police officers that Mm -hmm. don't see us as human beings and I remember genuinely just not understanding what I could do and you know I sent emails and I petitioned and I spread the word and I did as much as I felt like I could but it just never really felt like enough and there were times where it felt really exhausting because it was like all of a sudden everybody just is everyone's talking about yes I'm an ally what can I do how can I help you and it was like on social media there was so much going on with like black squares and stuff and then a month later it was like everybody kind of forgot and then I just on top of that you know I'm Nigerian and there was a lot going on in Nigeria with the NSARS movement and it was just one thing after the other and it just in all honesty it was genuinely so exhausting Mm -hmm. and so tiring but it was also I did also see, you know, the surgence of so many different movements and the coming together of so many different types of people. And I think, you know, as much as tragedy shouldn't unite us as Black people, I did see a lot of that camaraderie and that felt good, I guess. But um, I don't know how you felt, Giovanni, but that was my experience. Yeah, I completely agree agree with you, Melody. Um, It was actually quite a conflicting time for me because, as you said, you know, what we were seeing, what was happening was a beautiful thing. However, it was like, why are we only seeing this now? Why are we only coming together now? Um, it's, it was kind of, but for me, ultimately it became kind of like a ends justify the means type of thing because of everything that we have, you know, been able to achieve all the awareness that we've been able to um, spread. It kind of leaves me in a position where I'm like, does it really matter why exactly, why Why we're doing this, doesn't matter why. The, the, the most important thing is that this is happening. Do you know what I mean? Um, and we've been able to drive that change. Um, but yeah, as I said, it was really conflicting for me, um, especially from a business perspective. Um, at the time I was in Canterbury, so I didn't get to 
protest in London, but I did get to protest in Canterbury. Um, so yeah, but also at the time I was running my business, um, obviously during a difficult process um, moment in, in COVID and everything. Um, and I thought of the idea to obviously release a few um, products, Black Lives Matter oriented products. However, it, it kind of dawned on me that I don't know if that would be like a great idea. I felt like I would be capitalizing on this moment, if that makes sense. Whereas, you know, I can try to spread awareness, try to help change and, and do that completely free without charging customers, without selling anything, you know? The fact that I had to put a price tag on it kind of really, really conflicted me. So in the, at the end of the day, I decided to, you know, release them as free products, et cetera. But it goes to show, you know, there was a lot of businesses that I've seen out there that were, you know, it seemed like they were capitalizing on this moment. You know, they wanted to look good in, in the image. They wanted to support, but they also wanted to, you know, make money. Was it really about the fact that we were facing so much, so, so, um, so much negativeness in the news, et cetera? Or was it about the fact that you want to fit in or you want to look good for your customers? Like, it, was, it was a difficult moment for me. 100% I understand that thank you so much for sharing that both of you Melody? I was just gonna ask sorry like I think it's so wild that you as like a black entrepreneur and business owner didn't feel comfortable capitalizing off of Black Lives Matter when so many massive corporate companies just didn't even see like didn't even cross their minds like they felt very very comfortable doing it and I just wanted to ask like did you feel like did you feel a strong sense of responsibility at the time and do you feel like you had to did you feel like you had to do more as opposed to just doing what you were already doing? Does that make sense? Yeah, of course, definitely. The answer to that is definitely. You know, as a Black-owned business, you know, I feel like I have a responsibility to be a leader in this movement, you know, because it's tailored to my people, it's tailored to who I am. So definitely, I, I, I it, it became something that I thought I needed to do, definitely need to do. And, you know, I was spending countless nights figuring out a way that I can actually make this work, not only um, just to, you know, deliver a message, but deliver an impactful one that actually, you know, achieve something and also that I can do, you know, as I said, it was a difficult period in COVID where I actually had shut down almost half of my operations Wow. Because of um, COVID, you know, and I, I had I was thinking at that time I had just recently done a giveaway, a free giveaway, in which customers could, you know, um, send in their own products and we would customize it and send it back to them. So that was a cost effective, you know, solution for me. However, just straight after was the Black Lives Matter process and I was like, how can I do something again? Although it was cost efficient, the time, the time resources and everything that I put into it was very consuming. So it was a really difficult time, but however, I felt like I needed to do something. And so I did, you know, I think I had to go leaps above beyond in order to get that point across. Okay. So I just wanted to ask another quick question. Do you feel like that's changed like the trajectory of your business now? Like, do you think like that period has affected how you operate at this present time? Or do you think it's just been like a, has it like changed in any way? Um. I wouldn't necessarily say it's changed. Uh, do you mean like in terms of um, me adopting, you know, social movements, et cetera, or? I just mean in terms of like your approach to business in general, like in terms of who you're catering to or just your like, perception of business as a whole. Um, 
Well, yeah, I, in terms of my perception of business as a whole, like in terms of the, you know, the economy and everything, definitely. I think, as I said, I saw a lot of, you know, initiatives being taken place where I felt like it was just capital, capitalism, right? Um, just to put it blunt. But at the same time, as I said, I believe that the ends justify the means, you know, um, what we was able to achieve was great and, you know, spread so much, so much awareness to the point where I'm thinking, does it really matter, you know? We're doing this and we're, we're driving change, we're being positive, we're affecting people. So it, it, it works out for me. Thank you so much. I think that's a massive thing. I, as, a, as a generation, we were so active on social media trying to post about it, even though a lot of people were just doing it performatively, you know, as if just following the trend. But even by doing that, they were raising awareness, you know, and they were that, that was the biggest thing. When I had people, um, you know, I was posting on my social media and, and I was reading up on it. I wasn't just for me. It wasn't just that, oh, I see something. I'm going to post it because it's about BLM. I wanted to actually educate myself and actually understand what the injustices that black people face on, on a daily basis. And my biggest like fuel to that was my friends. Uh, I'm living in London, coming to uni. I've made a lot of friends uh, from black backgrounds, and that having those friends has taught me a lot about their lives, and you know, vice versa. That's really helped. But I think the corporations was the thing that really um, kind of got on my nerves. Is how all these big, big companies, you know billion dollar enterprises were literally profiting off the BLM protests. And they were literally um, posting on their social medias, posting online, um, you know, everything you'd see was like, oh, we support black creators. We support um, black people. We have, you know, black employees. Like they were, it was very performative. It wasn't actual change. You can say as much as you want um, about supporting black people, but until you actually prove it and show the action towards it, no one will believe you. And that was the thing. People could see through the facade that these companies were putting up. And that was evident with our, our, our entire generation. We, no one was believing them. They could put up as many posts as they wanted on Instagram, post as many things about BLM as they wanted to, but no one would believe them. I think that's what really made me happy because it was like people actually can see the truth. You know, we're not blind to it. We're all just trying to learn and we're all trying to evolve and we're all trying to make real impactful change. That was the important thing. And even people, if, even if you couldn't turn up to the BLM protest, people were there in spirit. They were, you know, with them. And that's what really brought the change. It's people standing up for the injustices and people like you guys as well as, you know, sharing your experiences. And Giovanni, as you said, like you were really thinking whether as a black business owner, you were, it was it okay for you to capitalize off it. And that shouldn't be the case. That should be these big corporations thinking about it. You shouldn't be thinking of it like that. You're trying to make awareness about it. You're going to try to spread word. You're not trying to make money in a way that would negatively impact black people right that was the biggest thing i think so to see your point of view has really opened up my eyes too so thank you so much um did you guys have any other final comments uh, around black history month in general i think um 
Black History, sorry, <laughs> Black History Month for me has always been really important. Um, I was privileged enough to go to a primary school that had um, a black head teacher and I had quite a lot of black teachers as well. And it was like Black History Month was a big deal for us in school. And we learned about so many different amazing people. We learned about Mary Seacole, we learned about Aladdo at Kiano, we learned about all different cultures and we didn't just learn about, you know, the Martin Luther Kings, etc. And I think one thing that I really wish was um, pushed in this country is, you know, the celebration of Black British history. I think there's so much, there is so much history here that has, it's, it's still ongoing. I think we're still seeing the ramifications because, you know, Black people as a community, we've been here for a really long time, but we're only just seeing this, you know, like, like Black British history as a thing coming into emergence now. And I think there are so many amazing Black businesses that have really, really, you know, impacted our culture, like, just off the top of my head, I can think of like The Voice magazine, they're a black British newspaper, I think, and they've been like, I think they started in 1982. And I don't feel like, you know, people in this country appreciate quite how much we've been able to achieve as, um, as a very, very small minority, because it doesn't always feel like we're coming from London. It kind of feels like we run the place when we really, really don't. And um, I think recently last week, actually, or two weeks ago, there was this, um, thing on channel four called black to front where like the entire black broadcasting for the whole day was black creatives black adverts black tv shows and everything and it just really made me aware of how much i think we contribute but how little we get back and i don't know i guess i don't really know what my final thoughts are but i would just say that you know as a black british person i wish there was so much more that we could i wish there was so much more that people understood and i wish there was so much more about us that was celebrated so yeah, I guess those would be my final thoughts. Thank you so much. And I completely agree with you. You know, uh, the contributions Black people make to this country uh, and in, in general, like you guys, your ancestors have laid the foundations and yet you aren't given the credit that's due. You know, you should be celebrated. And I think that's what Black History Month is about, but it has to be done right. You know, not putting... Um, people who aren't even black at the forefront uh, of these posters you know some companies do this and that's just shameful black history month needs to celebrate black people and the contributions they make to the country to the world you know and actually give credit where it's due i really do believe that thank you so much and giovanni um yeah i completely agree um as i said in the beginning um i think i'm a part of a generation where you know, we're starting to see change and the, the, we're starting to see those opportunities become so much more prominent. And I think it's really important and the message would obviously be to continue going because we can see the curve, right? We can see the improvement. However, we know that we're not necessarily where we want to be or we don't really see ourselves on equal footing just as yet in, in these environments, in these Western environments. However, there is growth and there is change and, you know, Things, things are happening. So, you know, we just have to continue to, to progress on how we have been going, you know, and, you know, Melody spoke about British, um, British history, British, British, black, black British history, sorry. Um, and I think it's worldwide too, you know, so many things are going on in other, other, other countries, not just your Americas, your, your Britons, etc. So I think, just spreading awareness as much awareness as we can you know and ensuring that you know 
the black the black people that are that are making change or are being you know I would say achieving excellence are on you know a pedestal that so that we can see um, so that other people other black people can obviously see that and strive for better understand that what understand what is possible what is achievable you know and I think it would boost us as a whole. Hundred percent, I completely agree, and I really do think you guys are role models as well. You know, you are paving the way just by doing you, just by doing your excellence. You know, and no, regardless of anything, you know, regardless of your skin color, regardless of your background, you guys have achieved a lot, and that's all to yourself. Like that, no one else helped you. That was you, and that's the biggest thing I've taken away from this. Thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate it. Like speaking to you guys has opened up my eyes even more. And I love having conversations like these. I think people would love hearing conversations like these too now. And hopefully in our lifetime, we'll see some real change and some real impactful, you know, change from everyone in the world, not just the UK. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our episode about Black History Month. Uh, thank you so much to our amazing, amazing guests. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, the first business is MGX Jeans. That's mgxjeans.co.uk, or you can find us on Instagram too. Um, what we do is we help customers to tailorize their fashion products, you know, express their individuality. So yeah, you can go and check that out. Another one is the Creators Exhibit or Creators Exhibit, um, also on Instagram. Um, we what we do is we help young artists and artists of all kinds to promote and sell and distribute their own work in numerous ways amazing thank you so much guys everyone needs to go check it out right now and once again thank you for joining us this has been spilled the bee stay tuned for the next episode see you all soon bye